Welcome to Music Fishbowl. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven, I think. Maybe it's less, I don't know, of Music Fishbowl. Music chatter for all. Yay! See, I'm working in a catchphrase, um, so that's really great. Uh, one thing I quickly just want to go through uh, before we do anything is uh, thank you to all the people on Instagram following me right now, because that's just reached 3,000 in the past two days, which is amazing. Uh, it's actually up to 3,075 as we speak. Um, obviously, I do it all for fun, so really huge thank you to those of you who support it. It's really great to know that you enjoy what I do, and I enjoy having conversations with you and everything. If you do want to follow again, it's uh, thisisvinyl.tap. Uh, at thisisvinyl.tap. Feel free to go and follow there if you're not currently doing so. It's where I promo the show and everything, so yeah, I'll be very grateful if you did. Anyway, um, today we have, back by popular demand, popular demand, I tell you, um, it, it's George. Oh, stop it. The <laughs> slightly above average music fan is back <laughs> for a second round. I'm really excited, mate. Thank you for having me on. Um, no problem, yeah. mate. Um, it's a pleasure to have you. Just, I mean... The reviews for your show were incredible from people who don't even know you, which is what was amazing. Because usually I got mostly, mostly it's people that we know that, uh, <laughs> that tell me what they think of it. And then the people who, yeah, I've got three or four or five people that actually do tell me what they think of each episode. And I know there's more listening, but, you know, a few do tell me. And um, but, but, yeah, normally it's mostly people I know. But, yeah, um, yeah, glad to have George back on. Um, yeah, you, you broke your podcast virginity last about three weeks ago, and now you're back to, uh, back yeah. to the sophomore effort, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, se- I'm a seasoned podcaster now. Um, <laughs> I could be a professional soon, you know. You never know. But, uh, well, you might, might overtake me. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> oh, no um, anyway, I was, I was um, this week, uh, I, I thought of you with this topic when, um, when it came up. Um, this week, I've been listening a lot more to Rod Stewart. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I've been listening to a lot more of his stuff, especially the early seventies stuff and uh, stuff of the faces and uh, Jeff Beck group. And um, I got reminded of a fact. I actually already knew the fact. It was one I did already know, but um, <laughs> well, I just forgotten it. Um, is that Maggie May was never actually a hit? Did you know that? No, I'm very surprised by that. <laughs> in terms that, in, only in terms that it never charted um, because it was a B side. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but there's a B-side to a, a, a brilliant song as well called Reason to Believe, uh, which is a song that was penned by uh, Rod, I believe, and uh, might be co-written by Rudy Wood or something. But um, but yeah, it was only when um, DJs like John Peel uh, decided they preferred the uh, the B-side to Reason to Believe, which is being Maggie May, uh, and they decided just to play it on the radio more, and people just got really into it. So it became sort of like a, a, a cult hit in the terms mm. of people just loving it, but it never really charted. Um, it's um, it's it's quite an interesting song because it's got that intro, hasn't it? That, that's only on the album version. Yeah, which not mm. which not many people know it has. It's got like a 40 second guitar intro. Yeah, and do you know what? That's, intro. Actually, yeah. that's actually got a name. Um, it's, it's actually called Henry. <laughs> what, that, <laughs> that, part, what? that part of the song really? is called Henry. Yeah, it's got a name. What, Henry May? Uh, or what? <laughs> well, the, the only um, the only reason the song is uh, so, so, so the song is I've actually written in my notes. It wasn't co-written by Ronnie Wood as I, I said it might be. It's actually uh, written by Rod Stewart and uh, Martin Quittens, Quittenson, I think. Uh, and Martin's the guy who wrote Henry. Uh, the rest of it's written by Rod. Oh, really? um, yeah, so it's quite interesting. I mean, um, 
it, the song appears on 1971's Every Picture Tells a Story, which for me is, is the best Rod Stewart album by a long way. Um, but this is like during the period where Rod was releasing his own music, but also uh, he was releasing music with The Faces, uh, which sort of eventually led to the end of The Faces because they started getting called Rod Stewart and The Faces. Mm. Uh, and obviously that doesn't bode well for bands, but he kept his friendship with Ronnie Wood and Ronnie plays on all of the albums, in, all of his albums in the 70s as well as playing with The Stones. Mm. So like... Do you feel um, as if Rod yeah. Stewart ha hasn't aged in about 30 years? <laughs> he yeah. always seems to just look the same. Yeah, <laughs> since, since, since 1982, he hasn't really, he hasn't really changed. His hair hasn't changed, you know. It's, I'm yeah, sure I mean, there's a lot of money behind that and, and yeah, possibly. amongst other things, um, but yeah. I mean, I mean I've got a feeling Rod Stewart's probably going to come up more in this podcast, to be fair, judging by some of the topics that we, we decided we'd talk about, but... Uh, Anyway, um, should we move on to some music news? Because we've got a lot of that. Let's do it. Okay. Music news. Music news. Music news. Um, George, have you got any news that's perked your interest this week? Well, I think one of the biggest stories of the week was Britney Spears announcing her pregnancy with her third I child. So um, I agree, big story, yeah. It was um, very much out the blue. Um, apparently there's some backstory behind this that was something mm. I never thought about, was that when she had her conservatorship from her father, it actually controlled her ability to have children as well, which is very shocking. Yeah, she um, didn't have any more, could she? Was yeah, forced, she yeah. was, apparently she was forced to take birth control, things like mm. that, which is very sad, but yeah. very happy for her from that respect. Um, yeah, yeah. I know she comes on this podcast a lot, so... Uh, she has, actually. Weirdly yeah. enough, she has. Considering what we tend to talk about in the pod, she's come up a lot. Most very <laughs> interesting person, I guess. So, yeah, um, yeah. Um, the other bit of news that I quite liked was White Stripe singer Jack White. Uh, he proposed and married his girlfriend on stage this week. Um, mm. Very much out the blue. Uh, so he proposed to her sort of during the normal set and then in the encore the guy that owns his music label basically officiated the ceremony which was a big big surprise yeah. for all the fans yeah he, he is it's olivia jean her name is um jack white's got uh, more than one story this week he's been very active this week i have to say <laughs> um, um I'll, I'll kick off with uh the piece of jack white news that isn't about the, his his musical release um, is that he's actually urged the three major record labels being someone like Sony, Universal and Columbia or something like that. I can't remember which three, three major, but it's the three biggest in the world um, to open more pressing plants due to increasing demand. So in the past two, three years or so, he's opened up an actual pressing plant for third man records. So they now okay. press their own records. Um, so his label now presses his own records. Um, because obviously he runs the label with the guy who, as you said, mm. who, who officiated the wedding. Um, so, Live on stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but he, uh, yeah, so he's saying to increase the demands, because obviously we're getting wait times now. Some people are getting things, some records are now arriving at people's doorsteps, like that they ordered in early 2020 pre-COVID. Like it's that bad, the demand's got mm. that high. And it's because of COVID, like people had nothing to spend their money on. If you mm. could afford to be a record collector, most likely during COVID you could afford it even more. Uh, because yeah. you, kept, you had a job that would keep paying you and things like that so because mm. uh, it's an expensive hobby so like it, it, demand went higher and then now huge major label artists are like 
Adele's the big one where it just almost put the whole industry to a halt when she ordered 500,000. There's still 150,000 not sold of Adele's record, um, which says a lot that like it's just more than they need. It's excessive. So, but he's demanding like to them saying like you need to open these plants because otherwise it's, it's going to stop um, being a good thing. Um, mm. On the topic of uh, um, uh, new music coming, oh no, no, let's not do new music actually. Let's go into Ed Sheeran because actually, if it wasn't Britney, this would have been the biggest story of the mm. week. Yes, um, Ed Sheeran has been found innocent uh, of plagiarism claims over the song "Shape of You." Um, now, my thing with this is that I, I think the verdict's probably correct, but I think this is a wider issue that's going to keep happening simply due to the rise of writing groups, mm. uh, which didn't happen before, because you don't know who's bringing what to... There's something like six writers on Shape of You. They all sat in a room together and wrote with him. Mm. Like, you don't know who's bringing what to the table. You don't know what they've heard. You don't know what they subliminally remember from music they've heard. Um, you know, it can just be subliminal mimicking. So... That's the. It's going to keep going. So, just a question. So, was the guy that was suing Ed Sheeran was he in the writing group? Is this what this was? No, no. Oh, so okay. he, it, it was. It was two. I think it's two guys who wrote a song which does have the ooh ah ooh ah ooh mm -hmm. ah ooh. It's got yeah. that riff. Well, that yeah, that riff, um, or that melodic line in that song, basically. It is that. It's the same thing. But a, there's also a point of like, can you own a chord? a chord progression no you no, can't and no. that is partly a chord progression but the melody's not so it's no. like but at the same time it's like well that song's not big enough ed's claiming he's never heard it but it's there's the issue there the writer group who who may have heard it and that, that that's the issue oh yeah um so i'm gonna save my favorite story till last because there is a really good one so i'm gonna keep going yep. this is some old music news that i've not touched on that i just want to drop on is that we've got dropout boogie is a new album coming out for the black keys on the 13th of may um, Delta Cream is the last record and I thought it was incredible it's my favourite Black Keys record and I've recently just got the vinyl of it and it is, it's gorgeous I love it um, the Vamps are revisiting their hits for a new project to celebrate 10 years so it's going to be like a re-recorded greatest hits I assume um, in terms of new music as well you've also got Pink Floyd have released their first completely new song called Hey Hey Rise Up uh, since oh, wow. 1994 so it's the first since then uh, and it's for Ukraine um, so it's, it's for a great cause uh, I wouldn't say it's the best song in the world um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think they really would want to put time and effort into recording anymore Pink Floyd, I think they just like doing the live stuff and uh, just being a touring band but yeah. you know it, it's okay and uh, other new release coming out soon is, is Blue have announced a new album called Heart and Soul for the 9th of September which I don't care about but other people will so I'll still mention it um, in terms of uh, big band news um, You've got members of Soundgarden, Nirvana and Pearl Jam are joining up to create a super group, like a grunge super group called Third Secret. I've forgotten what the band members are. I think it's the drummer from Pearl Jam, bassist from Nirvana and guitarist from Soundgarden or something along those lines. So they're, they're, they're teaming up for that, which would be quite an interesting Ooh, listen to hear. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I, 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 oh, I forgot some new music release, actually. There's another one. Oh, the Black Crows are releasing... Um, uh, new, uh, the first new music in 12 years that's coming out the 4th of May uh, plus there's an original, a new original album planned so the new release is going to be a covers EP um, then there's a new album planned uh, the Peaky Blinders finale was on as well and that had a cover of Bob Dylan's All the Tired Horses by Lisa O'Neill which has caused uh, quite a big revival of that song, it's a song okay. that Bob Dylan doesn't even sing on, on the original recording uh, it's just a choir singing one line which is All the Tired Horses in the Sun 
how they're going to get any work done. Ooh, ooh, basically, or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I've, I've got my favourite story to come, and I will leave that. So I'm just going to do a quick run through of some releases I've listened to quickly, as I usually do, and just offer my thoughts. Go for uh, it. So we've got Carl, forgive me for the pronunciation here, Carl Blau, B-L-A-U, Blue. Sounds know. about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his new album's out anyway. It's called Love and Harm. Uh, it's okay. Uh, but I preferred his genre-defying, well, I called it that anyway, um, uh, and really surprising debut album. I thought that was much better. Uh, Orville Peck's just released Bronco. This is sort of like, this is one of the couple of big releases of the week. You have to bear in mind, this is on a day that people nickname release day because you have so many huge albums coming out on the 8th of April. Um, mm. And this was, all these next ones all came out that day. Um, so, uh, yeah, Orville Peck's Bronco is it, amazing. It's way better than this debut record, and that was a great album too. Uh, I just didn't know his voice could do things like that. It's generally incredible. Uh, Cole Swindell's album Stereotypes out. Um, the name says it all. Total stereotype of what Bot Country is to the point when it's just bland and boring. There's nothing really there. Uh, Lizzie McAlpine's Five Seconds Flat uh, is a more produced album than a previous effort. Uh, and I really like the fact it's more produced. So that, that, that it's a good release. I'm quite happy to listen to it. Uh, Wet Leg, the buzziest band at the moment, or the buzziest duo, should I say. Uh, they released their album Wet Leg, self-titled. Um, I'm not sure what they add to the indie rock genre, but... You know, it's nice, it's comfort food. It, 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 it's what I want from indie rock. It's, it's good listen. Uh, William Clark Green released Baker Motel. Uh, sorry, Baker Hotel. Uh, it's an unexpectedly brilliant album, I have to say. Uh, lots of simply uh, simply fun songs that are just really well executed, basically. Uh, and my big release of the week that I enjoyed the most was probably uh, Jack White's new album, saying we're going to mention him more. Uh, Fear of the Dawn. It's amazing, it's experimental. Um you know, it's. I expect an album to be this good by Jack White. I wasn't so convinced on his last album, uh, but Lazaretto I love to pieces, uh, and his debut record was great too. But Heidi Ho is, a, is an amazingly experimental, just interesting song. We also like experiments with like elements of dub reggae and all different mm. things on this album. Uh, and then we've also got uh, an acoustic album coming out by him in, in the coming months, which is good. So you get two releases by him this week. Uh, final story about... Uh, one of the uh, we spoke about him last time we were on was if we weren't interested in him. Uh, it's about Michael Bublé. It's quite <laughs> an interesting story. This, yeah. Um, so he's covered, and it was released as a single from the new album. Um, on his new album, he's covered Paul McCartney's uh, "My Valentine," which is from Paul's 2012 album uh, "Kisses on the Bottom," uh, which is a great like swing ballad record kind of thing that Paul did. Uh, and Paul was in the studio advising him. Mm. Um, so I read this from a bit of a clickbait site that said like oh, Paul and Michael Bublé have beef and then when you read it you're like no I'm going to take the quotes you've given me of Michael Bublé and consider them to be true right <laughs> so basically what, what happened was um, so Paul was suggesting like Michael's vocal delivery of a certain line wasn't like the best way to interpret the song uh, in the way Paul wanted mm-hmm. and he said uh, so the song is like the line is waiting on a sign so I'm waiting on a sign, yeah? That's mm-hmm. the line. And yeah. Paul, Paul said to Michael, he goes, are you actually waiting on the sign or are you waiting for a sign, basically, is what he said. <laughs> yeah. Because the way Michael was delivering it, apparently, was too much like, it was literal. He was like, he's sitting on a sign waiting for someone to come. Like, sitting mm-hmm. on a signpost. Um, so, yeah, but that's my favourite story of the week, just because it was just so ridiculous and so clickbaity. Um mm-hmm. But, yeah, I guess that's your music news for the week, guys. Well done for hanging in. 
question for you what Shoot. do you think well what do you think of cover songs that's a very broad question <laughs> um. someone's not happy with my line of inquiry <laughs> no I, I think they can be done in the right way they can be done in the wrong way um, I think sometimes the timing in between the original and the new can can be a factor Mm. I don't really like when an artist tries to literally copy somebody else. That I don't Ca- like that. Like, like karaoke, you mean? Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. I like it when they take their own spin on it, and they mm. almost sometimes sounds like a different song. Like you know, "Fall Out Boy" did the cover of "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. It sounds mm. like a completely different song. Like I didn't even yeah. realize until I saw the name. I was like, "Oh wait, it's, it's a cover." So yeah, you, know, you look at like, Michael Jackson's cover of the Beatles, "Come Together." Mm. Exactly. That's uh, that, that's another great example of, of, exactly. of a cover song so different. What um, about you? Well, what about me? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, no, no, you're uh, in the firing line. <laughs> no, no, I mean, cover songs for me. Cover songs are my thing with cover songs. Cover songs can be one of two things. Well, no, one of three things. They can either be exceptionally good, or they can be exceptionally bad. Agreed. Or they can be interesting. Mm. Is the third thing um, because it, it, it's a bit like. It's like with these, like, sometimes it's just, it's like a remake of a film. Sometimes a remake of a film you just want to watch because it's interesting, mm-hmm. because you're interested to see how they do it. Not that because you want to sit there and watch and enjoy it, or because you want to see if it's good, or you want to see if it's good. Sometimes you just want to see if it's interesting. And I think that's where, like, cover albums come in. Mm-hmm. Right? People do, like, whole albums of covers, because not all of them are going to be amazing. And most of the time, none of them are, like, ones that you go back and listen to again. Mm-hmm. But they're just good, fun listens. So you are entertained by it, but at the same time, you're interested just to see how they do it. Um, I prepared a list. Two lists, actually. I prepared two lists. I want to go through the first one with you. Yeah. Which is cover songs you don't know. Well, songs you didn't know were actually covers. Yeah. I'm going to give you... Do I give you... I'll tell you what. Let's go easy on you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the original. And I'll see if you can get the cover. What, so the original artist? I'll give you the original artist, see if you yeah. can get the cover. Okay. Um, so, uh, First Cut is The Deepest by P.P. P. Arnold, 1967. Was it There's a woman? Two, two that, um, there is a woman. Yeah, That's one of the two I've, heard of, I've heard it, but I, don't, I can't remember who it's by. My slightly <laughs> above average music knowledge is letting me down. Yeah. Okay, so, so that one, funny yeah. enough, talking to people, people getting renamed again, you've got Rod Stewart in 76, a big hit with it. Okay. Uh, but Cheryl Crow did a refamous version yes, in 2003. That so that's who you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I Love Rock and Roll by The Arrows, 1975. See, Covered six years later. I don't know if I'm thinking of <laughs> the cover or the original. <laughs> <laughs> well, the original I don't think was a hit. Okay, so probably hit. the 80s version then, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Jet. Oh, okay. That one. Yeah. So that was good. This one's good. I know you know this song. Oh god. I, 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 might, I might sing the. Uh, I might sing the song to you so you know it because the name's not as easy. So it's alone by I ten nineteen eighty three. How do I get you alone? Oh yeah. Do you know who sang that? It's eighty seven. What? Who originally sang that? No, no, no. This is the cover. Eighty seven. Oh. Cover came out. Uh, did Brian <laughs> Adams do a cover of that? 
No, he didn't. No. He, he didn't do that one. Oh no, I don't know. As uh, as hearts by uh, uh, by um, my heart. I don't know why I'm saying. Oh dear! Oh dear! Ah, this one you might get. I, I've got I've got a couple here. Red red wine. Neil Diamond, nineteen sixty-seven. Oh, UB forty. Yeah, nine, yeah. Uh, nine eighty-three. That was a cover. Um, no yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I've got. Um, Girls just want to have fun. Robert Hazard, 1979. Might get that one. Is it Cindy Lauper? It is Cindy Lauper, yes. 1983. Yes, I'll take two. I'll take two. <laughs> I've got a third one you might get. Uh, the Tide is High by the Paragons, 1966. That's an, uh, an old Jamaican ska song. Blondie, yeah, yes. 1980. Okay, I'm um, leaving now. I've got my three. <laughs> <laughs> um, you might know this one. I don't know if you will. Uh, I'll give you clues by one of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, got my mind set on you, James Ray, 1962. Covered in 1987 by one of the Beatles. One of the, well, I got, well, was it Paul McCartney? No, it's George Harrison. Damn. <laughs> well, one in four. I mean, one in four. Yeah, exactly. Was, wasn't around yeah, there. I know. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was Ringo either. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> Sorry, Ringo. I got my mindset on you. <laughs> hey, amazing drummer. Let's not disrespect him. We, we love drummers around these parts. We love Ringo. We do. So I've got a list of the best cover songs. I, I want to know how many of them you know then. Well, okay. The ones that I think are the best. Okay. And, and, and I think they're the best based on but this is my uh, i'm going with popularity that mm-hmm. i also agree with okay. i don't there's one song here where i don't necessarily agree the uh, the covers better I, I wouldn't say i agree the covers better for all of them actually I, i'll say some of them are not even equal but i think they're good covers i'll say some of them are worse but they're, they're still good covers okay. um one i do think is better though is hurt uh which is johnny cash 2002 uh cover of nine inch nails 1995 do you know that one no. No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to waste start. everyone's Press time. Oh, okay. you'll, know the, you'll know this one. Um, I'll Always Love You, uh, Whitney Houston, 1992. What, who did a cover of it? I only... well, No, no, who, who did the original? Oh. You might know that. It's quite a famous cover. I think the original's better, personally, um, being a country music nuthead. But... <laughs> oh, is it? Um, oh, oh, Dolly Parton? Yeah, it's Dolly yeah. Parton, yeah, 1974. Yeah. The Rainer um, Bell, yeah. Uh, Okay, I, I might see if you can get the cover of this one. No, uh, nothing compares to you by Prince slash the family because he was doing it under a different name. Uh, 1985, nothing compares to you. Do you know did the uh, cover of that? No. Big number one, no. Irish girl. Uh, she's bald, Irish lady, she's bald. Oh, um, Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, 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 Um, You might know this one. Uh, mm-hmm. Respect, Otis Redding, 1965, who did the cover? Oh, this, she famously added in the R-E-S-P-E-C-T, which it's not, in the original. It's not Aretha Franklin, is it? It is Aretha yes. Franklin. Yes. <laughs> Be confident, George. Come on, you know this. <laughs> uh, this one you might know as well. Okay. Uh, Tainted Love, Gloria Jones, 1965. Do you know the cover? 81. I, I know the song. Oh, it, oh, I can't think of the band. I can't think of the uh, band. Soft Cell. Yes, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. Damn, that's um, cool from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one you'll know. Uh, Twist and Shout, The Top Notes, 1961. Who did the cover? You might know that one. Twist and shout. Pick it up, baby. Yeah, yeah I know that. I can't think of it as the cover. I can't the Beatles. Think. Oh, of course Beatles. it is. Uh, okay. Uh, who did the original? With a little help from my friends. Joe Cocker, 1968. Who did the original the year before? <laughs> the year before? I, I sound like a radio presenter now. <laughs> in a competition. Who did the I'm not going to win anything. Pounds. For a million pounds, who did the original, George? No idea. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the 
Beatles. Oh, what the, I oh. the Beatles again. <laughs> um, and as a couple of others, just to go through it quick. We can work it out. Uh, which is the Beatles originally 65. Stevie Wonder did it in 1971. Really great cover. Uh, All Along the Watchtower. Um, uh, Bob Dylan, 68. Jimi Hendrix, same year. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, funny enough, did the fastest ever cover. Uh, but actually, the fastest ever cover ever played, uh, as in to a mass audience where people knew mm. uh, after release, was uh, is the Beatles. The fastest ever recorded cover as in put onto an album, it's also a cover of the Beatles. Uh, so, um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, uh, Jimi Hendrix covered it in a show the night the album released. And Paul McCartney and John Lennon were in the audience, I believe, that night as well. <laughs> and he didn't even know. They didn't know <laughs> and, he uh, was going to come. I, 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 yeah, they didn't know. Yeah, no one knew. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if Jimmy, Jimmy knew they were in the audience. <laughs> but, um, and the other one was, there was a cover of, I, I think... Forgive me if this is wrong. I think it's by the Hollies. I think the Hollies covered If I Needed Someone. Uh, and it's the fastest ever cover of the song. And it's the Beatles, George Harrison uh, written song. Uh, so, yeah, that was the fastest ever. Uh, the last one I got, as in for covers that are better than... This is a cover that I think is better than the original. I think the original's great. Uh, John Lennon's Jealous Guy, covered by Roxy Music in 1981 as a tribute to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's an amazing cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, why do you think pop, uh, cover songs are popular, Mr. Mr. George? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say, if they completely change the song, then I guess it's it's just a song in its own right to an extent. Like you know, mm, yeah. a lot, you know, a lot of cover <clears throat> songs happen, and people don't even realise they're covers sometimes. Yeah, as we've shown. Yeah, exactly. But then, in other ways, it could be if there's been such a long period of time between the original and the new one, it's almost like a revival mm, yeah. of the song or of the style or of the lyrics or whatever. Um, yeah, I suppose it, it can be a number of reasons, really. But what do you, yeah, what do you think about that? Um, I think there's an element of nostalgia in there. I, mm. I, I think people like hearing what they already know. Um, I think with a lot of them, I, obviously with songs like some of the ones we said today, people, uh, some of them weren't hits originally. Mm. Um, so I think that's quite uh, that's quite different because that that's almost essentially an original song to most people. Yeah, uh, I, I I think that's almost like being a music archaeologist and figuring out what's great and what isn't known, like uh, in the history of music. But like, yeah, I mean, for me, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's incredibly, when it's covers, I think, I think it is nostalgia. I, I think, I mean, I think that sometimes like covers are used to create exposure by artists. Mm-hmm. I, I think if if you go on to, um, you know, I mean, even look at like bands like Nirvana covering The Man Who Sold The World and MTV Unplugged, the amount of exposure that they would have gained, they gained from that is incredible. And it's a great cover. Mm-hmm. Even being someone who's not a big Nirvana fan, I can tell you it's a great cover, but it, it also gains exposure, and I, I think that's part of it as well. Um, like I think that's why a lot of people do them. Uh, at the same th- time, I think it's, it's tribute to the artist as well, the yeah. artists you love and stuff. So, what do you think of artists essentially making a career out of covering <laughs> other songs? So a bit like Michael Bublé. <laughs> Bublé. I know he has his own stuff, yeah. but let's be honest, the main things he does cover a lot of songs, obviously. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, these what do you artists, think about it? Yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I mean, Bublé's doing what he loves in terms of the fact that he's singing the songs he loves, and that's what he wants to do, and that's fine. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, we we've been fans of Bublé in our life, and I still am. I'm just a bit bored of what he's mm-hmm. doing, basically. But but like, I am still a fan of his. Uh, and it's people like you also get like the over. I think it's, is it the Overlanders they're called or, or something or, or something like that. I don't know. That lead singer passed away fairly recently. It's really sad. He's so young. 
Um, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, that that's a group that had made it basically on covers. Uh, the baseballs are another group that's done it as mm. well in Germany, where they, yeah. but but at least they are sort of really changing what I mean. They change those songs to be yeah. rockabilly, um, but like there's an element of novelty to it um, when they do do that. There is an element of novelty, but it, it's also the, the market that they're playing for really actually isn't us. Like, and it, it isn't us people our age at all. It's they're definitely playing to an older market, an easy listening market, a market that don't want to be challenged from listening to music. They just want to have something familiar to put on in the background or something they can sing along to and sort of just walk around the house and do that and potter about doing things, you know, like... Yeah, it's nostalgia, <laughs> like you say. It's that, yeah. It's, that, yeah. It's, it's AOR. It's, it's adult-orientated rock that isn't rock oh. when, it, when it comes down to those artists, basically, like mm-hmm. Dublin. That's pretty much what it is. It, it, and it... You know, it's not for us. We can enjoy it, but it, it isn't really designed for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a good question. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, who is the best interpreter of other people's songs that you can think of? That's a good question. <laughs> interpret. So, when you say interpreter, do you mean like sounding like the original, or just they just they're um, just really good at it? They interpret other people's songs and make them their own. So they are the best at covers, basically. Oh. <laughs> that is a tough question. Why don't you say your answer and then come back to me? Okay, <laughs> I've got, I've got one, I've got maybe two, but I think one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's Rod Stewart mm. by a long way. And, and I, I know there's people who agree with me. I know David Hepworth agrees with me on that as well. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the journalist, I know he does. Yeah. Um, but like, if you look at those early Rod albums, <laughs> even going back to the Jeff Beck group in the sixties where he was covering Elvis songs in some of those uh, records. When he does a cover, like, every picture tells a story, he's got a great cover of uh, That's All Right, um, the Elvis song. Um, mm-hmm. What else? Trying to think of other covers he did. Yeah, he's got a great cover of Man of Constant Sorrow, which is an old folk song. Uh, Street Fighting Man, he's got a good cover of that on his first mm-hmm. album, first solo album. Like, he's just, he makes those songs sound... Like, he makes That's All Right Mama sound like an earthy folk song that he's revived and turned into a rock song. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, they don't sound like... Like, you put that record on, it sounds like it should be on the record when those cover songs come up. Mm-hmm. But it also sounds like... Um, it, and, and Rod it does, has done this his whole career. He's still doing it now when he releases music. Like, they sound like they should be there. They sound like they're his, even though you know they're someone else's. Um, and that's why the, the American Songbook did so well and it's so highly revered. Like when he did that, and he did mm-hmm. the standards. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't think of a better person than Rod. Yeah, I was thinking just more sort of last few years. Lily Allen's done quite a nice few covers as well. Yeah. I think she does yeah. quite well with them. Obviously, Michael Bublé, you kind of have to put him in there because you know he's tried and tested. He, 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 he knows he's how so to do it. He's so good at doing it. He's so good at yeah. doing that, that. He's so good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think he's also brilliant. I've never seen him live, but I know people have. He's He's supposed to be amazing live as well, like a real yeah. showman, and he really makes it his own. But also, like you said, he brings the nostalgia part of yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like you say, it might be a little bit old with him from our point of view, but obviously the older generation. He, but he's so he's just so good at yeah. That. But then he, that can go back to Frank Sinatra. I mean, mm. look at how many covers uh, Sinatra. Ray, oh, Ray Charles, a great interpreter. He he did a uh, country covers albums because it's one of the classic albums of all time. Um, mm. You know, like that. These people are incredible uh, at just, yeah, at, at 
at interpreting songs and uh, and they do it time and time again mm-hmm. that's the thing like like their whole career sinatra uh Willie Nelson's another brilliant one. Willie Nelson, an artist who's still going strong today, about 88 years old, and still making music, does incredible covers. Um, it's like, yeah, it's just great to be a great interpreter. Uh, talking to Britney earlier, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, her cover of, uh, uh, of Satisfaction by the Stones is mm-hmm. one of the worst pieces of music <laughs> I have ever heard. And I don't mean to say that to take away from her, but it is awful. The rest of the album's fine, in my opinion, to be fair. Um, but yes, awful. Well, you know, you, was that, have you got any bad covers you can think of? <laughs> not that I can think of, to be honest. Um, <laughs> no, not really. Not that I can think of. I'm sure you have more in your in your locker. I mean, yeah. ooh, I, it's one. It's actually I have more good covers in, yeah. in my locker. To be fair, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I just think of like things like. Um, there's a brilliant cover of uh, Go Where You Want to Go by the Mummers and Puppers, which was done for a Laurel Canyon documentary that I can't think of the name of right now. But uh, it's Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son, who's, mm-hmm. who's a musician and an incredible writer in his own right. He's one of the only sons of musicians who's carved a career for himself mm-hmm. and come up through the indie scene. Like, he's done so well. Uh, and him and Jade Castrinos, I believe her name is, forgive me if I say it wrong, but her voice is so incredible. It's like, it, it, they go into the same studio as recording and record it in the same way. So it's almost like karaoke, but something about her on that record just makes it incredible. Her voice is beyond. And I, I feel bad because I'm saying it's be, I'm not saying it's beyond Mama Cass, who's amazing in the Mama and Papas, but like her voice is beyond what that song deserves. So powerful and such a rich timbre. Like oh, it's amazing. And she just makes the whole song. That's a great one. Um, yeah. Do you anyway, think, yeah, do you think artists almost there must be many covers that have never seen the light of day right like many times that artists mm. have tried and said no that's a load of rubbish we're not releasing that oh yeah do you think they have a bit more they're a, a little more careful about releasing covers because they don't want to sort of ruin the legacy mm. of the original so maybe that's why we can't think of many bad ones <laughs> Then yes. sort of releasing your own I mean, music, yeah. Th- there are loads of terrible ones. It's just mm. that I choose to not listen to them and yeah. forget them. <laughs> exactly. but I, I think uh, Kevin Ro- uh, is it, is it Kevin Rowland from oh, I can't remember his actual name. Oh my, it's eluding me. Uh, anyway, Mr. Rowland from uh, Mr. <laughs> from, Rowland. <laughs> yeah, from uh, and even the name of uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners. Mm-hmm. He covered um, Springsteen's Born to Run, and it's awful. He changes the lyrics. For, couple of the lines he's just like why you don't even know why it's awful but i can think of them but i do agree with you that there are artists who probably think of covers and they go no i'm not even going to try because it's going to be bad but i also think in the modern era due to youtube and all these avenues and like you just put out a quick single easily and people Mm. have home studios now people can record from across the world like with each other i do Mm. think there's more covers coming out now Mm mm-hmm than ever before but that's just i mean there would be there's more music coming out than ever before yeah so you know, I mean, it's an exciting time for covers because you get to hear so many different interpretations. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, um, and you start to hear interpretations of songs that aren't even that big and people are putting out their favourite song from an album, which was never a hit. So they're not even trying to capitalise on it. They're just putting it out there because they want people to hear that their version of. Like, I love this song so much. I like singing it. Here you go, have it. I suppose um, the idea of covers, it will never really grow old because it's almost like a cycle. It's like, right... Yeah. songs from 10 years ago okay they might we'll start having covers now 
and then yeah. the next 10 years it's like okay now these it's like that recycle sort yeah. of nature yeah i mean i i've seen people do open mic nights and they sung hit the one more time and these, yeah. sort of, these are blokes in their mid-20s and, and like there's a bit of a cringiness about it because you are a bit like you're singing this because you want the girls to swoon over you and everything yeah. it's like at the same time we also like yeah it's gonna happen mm. uh that song's now become old that's you know that's 19 night late 90s now so yeah, it's almost like um, a classic now almost isn't it yeah so. it is basically well, i say i would say it probably is now mm-hmm. um but yeah anyway should we move on to uh song rex let's do it yay song recommendation um, george uh, do you want to let everyone know what song i recommended you this week yeah, so it was Dallas by Parker McCollum. I yeah. think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I loved it. I really liked okay. it. Good, I'm glad. Is it, be- is it because I said last time I was into country, so you thought you'd yeah, give me a, I thought I'd give you a little that. country? It was either that or an odd vaporwave song that I had in mind. So oh, yeah. More, 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 more um, standard one. Yeah, so what no. was So, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, it was a sort of a classic country sort of love kind of song mm. um had kind of a hip-hoppy sort of beat in it at the back i kind of noticed and i obviously the album's called gold chain cowboy as well so mm. i thought that might sort of come into it a little bit as well yeah. but no i really enjoyed it mate i really liked uh, it I'm, I'm glad yeah i mean i quite like the fact you picked up on uh, that, that, that there's elements of hip-hop style beats in in, in country music now because we are seeing trap beats coming mm. into the into the mainstream country scene a lot, lot more, which a lot of people moan about because it's not traditional, but I like the fact they're trying. I see it as like we're in sort of, we're in a a phase where it's going to be a bit dodged because it's all so new still. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to learn, you know, and like, I like it because it's innovative. It's, they're doing something different. They're trying new things. They're trying to genre merge. It's quite cool. Uh, you know, we've got indie country if we want to say trad. So let's just keep it that way and have indie and have, mainstream now yeah, i think it's got to that point but yeah as you said it's from gold train cowboy uh it's his album 2020 from 2021 and it's released through rca nashville uh, it's actually his third album and what's interesting about that is that um he's he, he parker started off uh he's born in 1992 and he was based in austin in texas which is a huge country scene itself outside of nashville um and he was releasing independently so he was an indie country singer but he was out of that sort of red dirt Texas scene, which is a lot more mainstream than like a lot of the indie country from Appalachia and all different places. Um, but yeah, he signed with a major label in uh, 2019, which is uh, which 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 obviously has come out of RCA National. Um, so uh, that that's the major label he signed for. Um, his new music is way more polished, which you can hear on this record. Um, uh, yeah, and as you said, this song it's a ballad. It's it's a gorgeous country ballad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. very much about leaving. Uh, he's basically saying if he doesn't leave, what's he got left? You know, yeah. there's nothing left there. Um, I, do you know why I, I thought it was great? Is so, did you note down who was on the backing vocals? Did you notice uh, her, her name anyway? I don't know if it's on Spotify to notice. It is there. I don't have her name, but I do remember hearing because I saw her when I turned the song and I thought, oh, are we going to have like a verse from him and a verse from her? But it's just sort of her in the background, isn't it? Yeah. Through, yeah. So she's actually just some backing vocals. Uh, mm-hmm. Her name's Daniela Bradbury. She, she, I believe she rose up through The Voice. Okay. Think, uh, but she's a country singer in her own right. She's had her own hits and she, she, she's, I actually think she's exceptionally good. I, I think her new album's very uninspired. 
personally. Mm-hmm. But I think the single from it's great. I think she's done singles where she's really actually innovated in terms of she, she has pushed the genre to its limits and she's gone more pop. Like nowadays, what she's doing now would sound quite common in pop music. Sorry, what she did when we were at university, so it was sort of five years ago now, mm. uh, would sound really uh, normal in the country scene um, mm-hmm. right now. So she was quite innovative, I think, personally. But um, she, she, I think she's great on backing vocals. And I think that's what country music does well, is that they credit backing vocalists when they are significant singers. But getting those significant singers in to do backing vocals you're looking at the best of the best in terms of their voice. You are, you are, you're just getting, it's, it just adds richness to the sound. Like you, you're getting more character in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so great about that. Um, you recommended a song to me that mm-hmm. at some point I've heard, but I yeah. can't really remember how I've heard it. Uh, and it was Neon Trees by Picture Show. No, um, no, 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 no. That's right. Well, it was... around. No, no, it's, it's called, Everybody talks by Neon oh. Trees on the album oh. picture show. Oh, so you no, you were close. I just wanted to clarify oh, in case no, no. there's any Neon Trees fans it out down there. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I just did down wrong. I do apologise. Oh no. Um, no, but I, I, I listened to it though, and mm. like it, I I feel it's obviously something that I've heard in adverts or something somewhere before. It's the yeah. kind of music I love from that time period, so I should really know it more. Um, yeah. I love the reference to Tristan Shout at the beginning. Yeah. The Beatles. I thought that was mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's very much indie rock of the early 2010s, influenced by the 60s, which I love. Uh, yeah. Catchy chorus. Um, it's it's just a joy. It's just a good fun record, basically, is what I thought. I mean, have, have you got anything on it? To um, I've got me? a background <laughs> on the band. So they were yeah. formed in 2005 in uh, Utah. And I think they sort of rose up from there, like doing sort of local stuff. But when they got really big was when they opened for the Killers in 2008. The Killers <laughs> did, did a tour in 2008 all across North America, I think, and they were <clears throat> the opening band. So that's that's yeah. sort of where they uh, where they got big. And yeah, they're they're obviously officially like a rock band, but they're more like alternatives or indie, a little bit <clears throat> kind of poppy as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they yeah I think they do a mixture of lots of different things. They've got four studio albums. Picture Aye. Show is the second one. So. Yeah, I just I'd really recommend yeah. everyone to give them a listen. Yeah. Yeah, so everybody's talking, isn't it? Everybody, everybody talks. talks. Everybody talks. Everybody talks. <laughs> He'll get it right I'll eventually. Eventually, <laughs> I will. It's been a long week, George. Too much music news. That's 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 the issue here. That's what it is. Too much music news. Too many high pressure interviews. Uh, <laughs> you know, interviewing people from all from globally across the world. It's you just, did. It's just, it's just just too much, really. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. Well, thank you for recommending that one to me. I did really enjoy no it. No problem. So thank you. Thank so you much. for recommending me yours as well. Hey, it's no problem. It's no problem at all. Okay. So um, this section was actually um, actually at George's uh, suggestion. Um, we are going to be answering questions from listeners. Or at least from people who are on my Instagram account anyway. Um, so it's a mixture of both. Uh, so we've got a lot of questions here. I'm going to ask them to George. And I'm going to ask them to myself in some odd, perverse, weird way. Um, <laughs> let's see how we do. <laughs> let, let's see how we do. Um, first question, George. 
best guitarists in the world. I'm not going to reveal any names of people just, you know, because I didn't ask if they wanted their names revealed. Uh, <laughs> so the high, at the height of professionalism here, we might not do everyone's questions and we're not going to not saying any of their names because I couldn't be bothered to ask. Um, so <laughs> it's, not like I be, it's not like I couldn't be bothered. It's just that I, I just didn't do it. Um, yeah, so who is the best guitarist in the world, George? Well, um, I think you're going to be more qualified to say than me, <laughs> but... Um... <laughs> But I think just honourable mentions, I think you've got to put Eric Clapton in yep. there. He that is definitely... Be, yep. If I was going to mention yes, that would be one. Yeah. Brian May, would you put that, him in there as well? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And I want to got his Jimi Hendrix as well. Yeah, I mean, they are definitely three top ones. Um, like, two of them I would put in my top five. Hendrix, mm-hmm. it's one, well, no, okay, in terms of favourites, I wouldn't put Hendrix in. He is one of my favourite guitarists, don't get me wrong, but he's not a top five. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go with two answers on this. Yep. Mm, three. I'm going to go three. Wow, he can't make... <laughs> no. But, <laughs> he, but the question didn't ask of all time, which is why I'm going for three. Because I'm going to go for three eras. I'm going to go pre-rock and roll. So okay. that's pre-50s. Mm-hmm. Who most people probably know who I'll pick for that. But it's quite easy. Um, I'm going to go... Post rock and roll, and I'm going to go current. Okay. I think current. My artist isn't young for that, but person who's creating music that is like a current star and still not active. Leg- not, yeah, not a legacy yeah. artist because yeah, you know my, my one post rock and roll is still going, but they're <laughs> a legacy artist. You know, so pre yeah. rock and roll, I'd say Robert Johnson, the blues player, um, okay. simply just because he just no one had played guitar like him before him, basically. Um, Story goes, he went to the crossroads and sold his soul to the devil and came back being able to play guitar. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fake story he told. We all know that. But unless you believe in that kind of thing. But <laughs> my personal opinion is a fake story he just told just to create a myth about himself. Uh, and then he died young. He died young. We don't know how he died. Uh, we don't know how old he was when he died. We don't know where he's buried. There's, there's more than one location that people say he's buried in that have gravestones so we have no clue but he, he's got father of the blues basically he's um, a bit of a mythical guy there <laughs> yeah well there's only um there's only i believe three known photos it might be four but there's only like three known photos of him and every time one comes up into question it has to go through huge scrutiny by experts um one of them was quite recent in the past like five years that actually got found um but like yeah i mean i mean there's like there's one photo that's been around for years and another one got added sort of in the 90s, I'd say, something around then, then, then one bit, one quite recently. Um, for post-rock and roll would be Eric Clapton, like you said, mm-hmm. he'd go in there. Yeah. Uh, and modern times, I would say Brad Paisley, who Ooh. is a country guitarist. Um, yeah. He, he's a mainstream country star. He's kind of fallen out of... His, his cultural appeal now, his cultural relevance is now more as a celebrity rather than as a musician because he's not charting in the same way as he used to. He's only just sort of turned into that legacy artist sort of level. But, you know, he, he is by far the best chicken picker I've ever heard. He's by far the fastest player I've heard. By far, just, just I've never heard a man get a sound like that out of a Telecaster. So that, that's that for me. Um, next question I'll ask um, would be, uh, I'm going to say, who are the best stadium rock band in the world? What is the best stadium rock band in the world? What that I've seen? <laughs> well, that you've seen or haven't. Because the, the, the stock answer, the biggest stadium rock art band in the world right now is U2. Mm. 
in terms of sales and size. So yeah. So who would you say is the biggest stadium rock band in the world, or the best stadium? So best stadium rock band, your favourite? Well, I would say the one I would have always liked to have seen was Queen. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're not right now, but that that probably would have been yeah. who I would like to have yeah, seen. Yeah, see him with the original lineup. Well, the original I, Queen lineup. Yeah, exactly. I think right now, if I was to say any, I think I'd like to see the Foo Fighters. Obviously, they've had oh, yeah. a death in the band yeah. recently, but just from what I've seen online, and people say they are incredible live sort of yeah. rock band. So, I mean, yeah, if we're going to go for one we'd like to have seen that we can't now, and then one that we want to see now, yeah. or, or or one that we think. I mean, I have seen the one I want to see. So I'm going to say the same one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll go with you, Queen, would be the one I would have wanted to see. Mm-hmm. The one I would like to see, and it for me be again, would be Springsteen and the E Street Band, again, mm. because they are huge. They're just a huge stadium rock band. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, this question is one that interests me the most, actually, I think, out of all the questions we got. What do you think? That's quite a long question, so just hold, hold your horses. Okay. <laughs> What do you think about labels releasing unreleased music after an artist has died, especially if that artist chose not to release that music themselves? Is it taking advantage of the situation or do you think the artist would approve based on circumstance? So this is so this so this is material that they actively decided they were going to keep to themselves they actually said and not release they weren't happy with it yes or, well, or waiting for a later date to release at least oh I mean, well we might not know of that one yeah we never know what they wanted but mm. let's take it for they didn't want to release it i think if you didn't want to release it then yeah i don't think it should be released personally because well i know there's obviously different ownership structures with music and labels and yeah. artists and stuff it can be like uh, states as well it's the states yeah exactly i i think if the artists had full control of their music owned it all and they decided not to release it i don't feel like it should be just because mm. you know if they didn't want to do it when they were alive why why would they want to do it when they passed away it's a bit mm. it, that's the thing but like I say, it can get a little bit muddy with ownership and estates and yeah. things like that. So, so yeah. I mean, the famous example of this I always think is is Prince because Prince keeps getting music released. I mean, mm. Prince, Prince and Frank Zappa are probably the best two examples. Frank Zappa is a different story, and I'll go into that in a sec. But Prince recorded Lowe's, actively decided he didn't like Lowe's of it and didn't release. Mm. Um, he also, when you hear the recordings, is when you listen to music like that, you listen and you go, oh my God, it's new Prince music. Wow, oh, it's amazing. And then you go, but it's not good Prince music. Mm. But it's only amazing because it is Prince and you're getting something that you feel like you shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, an opposite to this would be David Bowie's latest release, which is Toy, an album that he wanted to release, but the record label wouldn't let him because they ran out of money and they've now released it. So that works. That works. And that I think that mm. should happen yes. all the time. Um, Frank Zappa is a great example as well for a guy who recorded everything he ever did, just picked the best stuff, didn't necessarily say he didn't like the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So he would have, chances are, take it or leave it, he would have been happy to release. But his yeah. family are the ones choosing to release. It's his son. Yeah, so, so that's a bit of a different story. Yeah. Out of love. <laughs> Prince doesn't have a son. Prince mm. doesn't have any known family, to be honest. There was, I think there was like a 
it was like a cousin or a sister-in-law or something like that, like quite quite a far off relative that was trying to get his money when he passed, trying to get ownership. I don't know who runs his estate now, personally. He didn't have mm. a will. Okay. We don't know if he had, we don't know if that was religious reasons. We know Bob Marley was religious reasons to not have a will. Uh, with Prince, we don't know if that's for, uh, you know, due to religion or due to just him not being that old when he died. He's mm. only in his 50s, so he may well have just never got around to a will, thinking he'd live forever like the other rock stars. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, okay, so one question I'm going to add to that is just that, and I kind of touched on it there, no matter whether it is good or bad music, it is still music being released, and taking out the fact that someone makes money out of it, if you don't think of the person making money out of it, is it okay for people to feel like they've been given an exclusive listen into an artist's life and their and, and that, um, that creative process, because you're hearing the stuff they chose not to release, which is less common than the stuff you hear, because that's what they choose to release. Is it then okay, if you just take away the idea of people making money, mm. would it then be okay? If the, uh, if the aim is to get an insight into that artist's mind and their process. Yeah, and... yeah. Would, would the artist be happy post their death would they be happy? Do you think they would be sitting wherever they're sitting? Because we don't know. Would they then be happy with their music being released that they didn't want just because they know it'll make people happy? Well, you would like to think they would do if it's making mm. people happy. I mean, that's why a lot of musicians do what they do, right? It's to try and make people happy and connect with people. Mm. That's that's a big thing. So if it's gonna if it's gonna help them show an insight into their because you'd think that they're soft that they didn't release is probably the rawest of things that they made sure. potentially and that and that that's that's a big point uh, the, go, yeah the I stuff mean, that maybe the record label said mm, mm, that's not really mainstream enough or that's not going to work mm, for that for that many people it's almost the yeah. stuff you want to hear isn't it yeah you, you always want what you what you can't have um in a sense but like that's something we'd probably say the rawest one of the best Prince releases, in my opinion, came post his death, and I look at it and I see it as a, it, it's not a bad piece of work. It's a great piece of work. So I don't think Prince would have would have been a great, against it being released at all. It's just recordings of him on a piano. I don't know when they were made or how they were. It's just him and a piano, and he's singing. Uh, there's a couple of the hits, and then there's the rest are just like non-hits that he was just singing. And it's raw. It's just you are getting that is the artist himself. That mm. you're getting him. That's what you're, you're buying him. You're not buying a record. You're buying him. And, mm -hmm. and that that's amazing. So I, 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 I get what you're saying there, George. Mm -hmm. and I, and I, yeah, that, that's... I do what do you think of um, the Michael Jackson that. songs that have been released post his death? I know that's not really the same thing. That seems a little bit more <laughs> like he was working on it. But what yeah. do you think of those? And that, and that, that, that's a, a similar to Made in Heaven, the Queen album. Um, mm -hmm. Which was released because obviously Freddie just crammed in recording the vocals so they could finish it off. Mm -hmm. um, I I totally uh, I agree with them. Obviously being released because as you say it was like he was working on them. Mm -hmm. um, I think the problem with that is I I think po I I think even Michael's last album was it was a good album, but I wouldn't say it was the artist at his best. No. Um, I no. I think even by the point of his death, his work. He has a rare thing where usually when artists pass young, uh, especially when they pass really young during the height of their creativeness um, or when a band breaks up like the Beatles, for example, um, that work gets encapsulated to a time period and never becomes old. It becomes mm. 
just like whilst as they go on people start falling out of love with the new music because they can't keep doing what they used to do and that's understandable but it does make people drop for the old music because because the artist the way you interpret the artist as a person like Rod Stewart great example let's go back to it cheesy now Mm-hmm. people don't listen to the old stuff like they like, like they don't and they don't value it that old stuff when he was a rock and roll singer as a rock singer that's incredible and that's so different so like but people don't listen to that um so with michael jackson i think those those two albums that they put out since his death of new music i i find them to be just like i just listen to them and go yes okay they're good albums they're fine oh that i wouldn't say they're good they're fine they they're serviceable they do the job but it's it's tainting the great albums that came before mm-hmm. like yeah. and, and for him it's let's argue three or four albums let's argue that because we're going to say off the wall thriller bad the three mm-hmm. plus dangerous i think we can put in there mm-hmm. and you might be able to say history so you might get five out of that but i think as history's sort of half greatest hits i don't think you can necessarily include it so there's four mm-hmm. um and even then dangerous ain't at the level of the other three so yeah i i i think that that kind of tainting him a bit um especially when they get when they get other people to sing on them that mm. that that i don't like Look, i know some queen fans don't like it so much but it's something i really like is when they did there must be more to life than this and they actually included michael jackson's vocal on it because mm-hmm. that came out like i think that came out in like 2014 or something like that so michael's been passed for a while mm-hmm. and like so you're getting two artists you're getting vocals from two artists and a new Queen song, a new Queen putting music to it now to get all the band members together. Apart, I don't know if John Deacon went on it. I don't know if he did because I know he's still involved in the band and does their accounting and everything, but he, I don't know if he actually recorded them. But yeah, I mean, that, that you're getting a whole package. It's like going back in time. Mm-hmm. But with the new yeah. Michael Jackson, yeah, not so much with that new Michael Jackson stuff so much. Um, another question we got asked was if you could change one musical moment um, like one moment in musical history, uh, what musical history moment would you change? Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first because I know you've been thinking about it a bit. <laughs> Build it up a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I struggle. That. I struggle with this question a little bit just because you always think of the the amazing moments that happen in music and not <laughs> and not so much the what could have been yeah. moments. I think the one sort of in my lifetime that I was really hoping would happen that never did was after the terrorist attack in manchester i think in 2017 it wasn't that long ago yeah 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 yeah. they did obviously like a benefit sort of concert and Mm. aaron agrande kind of fronted it all and everything and there was big hype about potentially noel liam gallagher getting back together for one show and you thought if they're ever going to do it it's going to be for this sadly it never happened and i thought if that did happen that would have been one of really the biggest moments in british music history it, it would yeah um, and the worldwide moment as well but definitely british music history for sure yeah. i mean even if even if noel just came out for one song just yeah. to sing don't look back at anger yeah like that would have been great like that that's kind of what you know but obviously, obviously as you say it never happened and and like my one would have been i wish john lennon would have survived the assassination attempt because we know that all the beatles were now talking to each other again they'd all got they've all become friends again mm. um Paul and John had just made up um, and they, they'd been speaking to each other. They were, they were planning to meet again for the first time um, since the Beatles. So, that, you know, it was all setting up. And, you know, you're four years off Live Aid here. Mm. Three years of reparation. One year to go, come on, let's get the band back together. Well, they would show. have done it, wouldn't they? Of course they would have done it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So, I mean, Paul McCartney was a huge part of Live Aid, so yeah. you know, they definitely, definitely would have got back together for that. I think Ringo was on Live Aid as well. Did he drum with someone, or am I, I might be misremembering there? Um, mm. But yeah, that, that, that definitely would have been a moment that I would have wanted to see. Um, another question, a bit more of a simpler question, I guess, but it's a great one to ask. And I don't know what parameters we're going to put on this one. Uh, <laughs> Favourite Disney soundtrack? <laughs> okay. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of huge ones in there, but I think the one I always lean to is Tarzan. But really, yeah, I really like the Tarzan soundtrack. I well, I love the movie, but just the songs. I listen to the songs in their own right. Sometimes I think again, <laughs> it's going back to Phil Collins. I seem to always be yeah attracted to the drummers. I don't know why. <laughs> you love a drummer. You love a drummer. I do love a drummer, but yeah, I just, and I think it fits in with the story really well. And I love yeah. his, his voice as well. And I think, yeah, I think it's pretty, obviously Lion King is a massive one as well. That'll be yeah, a close second to me. That's obviously Elton John as well. Isn't yeah. It? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the thing. What do you, what do you include in Disney? Do you include Star Wars? Mm, I'm going to try and say Probably no. not, no. Yeah. Cause otherwise it would be New Hope. Probably for me. So I think that's my favourite song. But it wasn't well. Disney at the time, was it? So I no, guess we need to exactly. give, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go for one that was Disney at the time, and I'm going to say the soundtrack to Tron. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, it, it's, it is, it, it's synthwave before synthwave. It's 80s synth, and that's all it is. Video gamey style soundtracks. But it's video game style soundtracks, like modern video, like Dumb Men, which is amazing, because it was a film. It wasn't a... Well, I won't go play eight bit music. Um, yeah, I think the soundtrack's Tron. I think I'd say. Um, um, if um, if you if you did a if we did allow Star Wars, then I would allow Guardians of the Galaxy as well. <laughs> yeah, as you'd I, have to. As yeah. That's technically yeah. Uh, Disney now, which is it's just crazy how it's Disney. It was always Disney. It? That was always Disney. That film that was made during the Disney era. Oh, was it already Marvel? Yeah, was Marvel already owned? Two thousand eight, I believe. Oh, uh, well, Iron there you Man. go. Iron okay, Guardians of the Galaxy MCU, for me then. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, Iron yeah. Man's first MCU, so I think that, that's when they acquired the rights. But don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> I, I might be wrong there. Um, so, uh, another question here. Um, in terms of level of success mm. uh, and, and impact on the musical uh, industry, mm. uh, who would you say is the true king and queen of pop? So that's got to be two names, is not it? Okay, let's do queens first. I'll say my queen, then you say your queen, and then we'll do oh, kings wow. and kings. Our queen. <laughs> my queen is Elizabeth II. That's my name. I'm going to say Elizabeth Hurley, and I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's hard to say with queen, because obviously I have ones that I prefer, mm. but... The question is, in terms of level of success and impact on the industry. Yeah. Pop as well, right? It's, you know, it's what's... Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Madonna or Whitney. I think... I think Madonna probably changed the industry more and had more impact, I suppose. I'm, but that's really cutting fine hairs. I was going to say Madonna... Um, but yeah, Whitney is definitely up there. I think the way Madonna did it in multiple different genres, but also kept it very poppy mm. and mainstream, like everyone's going to listen to it. I would say one that could potentially overtake her at some point could be Taylor Swift, eventually. Yes, yes. You know, a few yes. more years down the line, if she keeps going how she's going, I think she mm. could take the crown. 
Yeah, quite yet. And considering actually, when you look at her releases, actually the majority of her releases aren't pop albums. Mm. Because you've got to think the last two albums aren't pop, so you're now outnumbering the pop. Yeah, um, with country, so uh, country and folk. Um, so, but I would to- totally agree with that because I don't think Adele's got the the staying power in the same way, and and she, it's the same thing, isn't it? Over and over, and it's not to criticise her for that. Yeah, uh, it, she's not she's not bending genre, she's not changing genre, she's not no. Which Taylor Swift is, um, she's innovating. Um, king of pop, have you got one? You got obviously Michael Jackson's. Got the nickname. It um, it depends what era you're saying. You know, I did a little bit of research about this, just seeing what other people kind of said. And you know, a lot of people said, you know, you could say Elvis El- back Elvis in the fifties, sixties. My, my next one, yeah. Obviously, Michael Jackson. Obviously, maybe took the crown in the eighties time. Uh, you know, it, it depends. I think King. There's a lot more different people, whereas yeah. Yeah. What would you say? Which says a lot about the music industry, let's be yeah. honest. First yeah, thing, says a lot about that. Does. That's it another does. argument for another day. Yeah. But um, I want to chuck another name into the mix. I want to chuck Paul McCartney in the mix. Mm. Because I don't yeah. think there's... You've got to think the Beatles are a pop band. Yeah. Even when they're rocky, they are still quite pop. McCartney, <laughs> Wings... Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I know. Wings Wings is a pop slash rock... They're a pop rock band. I wouldn't say they're a rock band out now. McCartney is a pop artist in mm. every way, shape, or form. He's, all, he's an organic pop artist. No, absolutely, yeah. But, there's, but the fact that he can bring out an album like McCartney Free and people still consider that to be an innovative album to this day, and that's come out in 2020 as a what would then be a well it's turning 80 this year so a 78 year old man mm-hmm. I mean that's 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 king worthy yeah I have to say I, I I I mean I can't come up with a definitive answer out out, out of the three of them because Michael Jackson changed pop music forever Paul McCartney partly with the Beatles changed pop music forever and he's got and, longevity as well isn't he uh, yeah and Elvis Presley changed pop music forever. Yeah. So that's hard. I don't think I can come up with definitive there. No, I have to apologise to whoever asked that It's question. a great question. It's a great right, question. I, know, I know who asked that question. That was one of our friends. Um, was, was it? Someone, that was someone we know, George, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know who asked that question. Uh, <laughs> so I had to apologise to them for not fully answering that. Um, another good question, I think, is worthy of us answering here, mm. is... Um, um, is Brit? This is a. Some of these are going to lean a bit more into record collecting, just because of the people I would have asked about. Oh, them. Absolutely, but absolutely. Something could be relevant to you as well, even though you don't necessarily collect uh, records. Um, mm-hmm. Brit pop music is increasingly yep. being categorised under rock music now in record stores, uh, and I totally agree with what that person said. Uh, and I say it's rather than being called Brit pop as a genre. Um, mm-hmm. Now, obviously, like, could they, like, that saying, has so much time gone by since the Britpop era, bearing in mind we're talking the 90s, uh, mm-hmm. let's not talk post-Britpop, only let's talk the 90s, um, has so much time gone by that it's just become part of the sprawling pop, sorry, sprawling rock genre that's getting just bigger and all-encompassing uh, mm-hmm. for anything that seems to not be pop or even a lot of souls being chucked into rock and stuff nowadays. So is it just becoming part of that or should it still have its 
Are they, well, is, is it a time thing? I think is the question here. Does that change the way a song is looked at? I don't. I don't think it should do because you still hear. You know, I'm blurs like Britpop, isn't it? And yeah, bands like that. Yeah, I yeah. I do think they all have quite quite a definitive sound that is that you can't just put into the rock genre. Like rock mm. is so varied, isn't it? Like yeah. you know, so. I'd like to think no. I, I'd hope the genre classification can still kind of survive, but mm. like you said, it's all going into that rock genre anyway. So, um, so where do you stand on it being put under alternative rock? I suppose alternative rock would probably work because it is an alternative kind of rock. Yeah. But then also that is a very broad thing. So it's like, is that indie? Is it? You know. You exactly. know. Is that, y- um, yeah. It's de- debate that happened at university. I used to know a guy at university who was a. Uh, his parents are Mancunian and he was sort of, he wasn't born there, but he was, and he was totally right with what he was saying here. People were saying to him that Oasis weren't an indie band. And he was going, mm. yes, they are. They, mm. in, they were an independent artist who released on an independent label, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and he's going, that's what yeah. indie means. Tick the but boxes, the issue, yeah. But this is the issue, isn't it? It's because indie has got so synonymous with mm. alternative rock that now people just call it indie and indie yeah. rock has become this almost, has almost become a genre, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. So like, Again, where do you categorise that? Because that's now moved into a different genre. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you put Oasis into indie rock now instead mm-hmm. of alt rock and instead of then Britpop? You know, like, mm, it's, it's quite interesting. Mm. And I'm going to go to the next question based on, um, based on that one. Because somewhere that does like to categorise music themselves and doesn't always get it right, I mean... Let's look at some of the prog rock playlists that put like ELO. <laughs> they put ELO in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Spotify. Is it important to now own your own media? Do you need to own it, or or do you just stream? I suppose you could apply this to lots of things. Do you need to own physical photographs? Do you need to own physical DVDs? Physical, mm. you know, Blu-rays, etc. Yeah. I think you should. I think you should like, you know, once you've got it, you've got it. No one can take that. You know, what if Spotify suddenly something happened to Spotify? What if suddenly something happened to all these streaming sites, you know, Mm -hmm. but ultimately, you know, what if that artist pulls all their stuff off all the streaming platforms, goes a bit insane and you can never listen to it. We've seen recently with Joe Rogan. Yeah. yeah. And the debate about that. And I mean, we're talking Neil Young, one of my top 10 artists. I'm so glad I own his records because God, that's one of my top ten artists has all gone. Like gold uh, dust. <laughs> yeah. Well, but then by extension, it's Joni Mitchell as well, who's taken her stuff off. It's who I love. It's Crosby, Stills and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, David Crosby, Gray and Nash. All these people that I love are gone. So I'm glad I own the media. I mean, my thing with that is that it's like you're paying. People say you're paying for ones and zeros. You're not. You're paying for potential to have the ones and zeros. Mm. Because it's not in your control whether you still have them or not. No. Um, and that's and, and that's what's worrying about that part of the music industry. Yeah, <laughs> you're paying industry. for the access to mm. it, and and you know some artists, I I don't over my head, but I'm sure it's happened. You know, they've signed up exclusively for certain streaming sort of mm-hmm. places, and that gives a lot of power to also the streaming sites as well. well it's no. it's. The, the yeah. notable one is uh, for that is Garth Brooks, who I mm. believe has a 
contract with Amazon Music for his music. Now, obviously, Spotify, being the most popular, has the most songs. I listen to a lot of unsigned artists and things like that. They're all on Spotify. They're not on Amazon Music. Amazon yeah. Music costs more. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Garth Brooks, who is, who is by the way, um, to some reports, the best-selling artist of all time. Yeah, I've heard that as well. As well. Yeah. Um, but but he's been so anti-internet until Amazon Music gave him a load of money mm. that none of his stuff's on YouTube because it's so heavily controlled. Mm. So you can't even get his stuff. Because I know that I can still go and listen to a Neil Young album on YouTube if I want because there's a playlist. Yeah. And I can put it on and I can connect up to Bluetooth via my speak, you know, to my amp and I can play it on the same speakers I would that I would with my record player. Yes, it'll be compressed and not as good sound, but I can still hear it. Yep. Whilst I can't do that with Garth. No. Because I have Spotify and I'm not going to pay extra into Amazon Music just to have Garth Brooks. Now, I used to have all these CDs and I've got rid of them to make space for things in my in my life, you know, because I need to have <laughs> space to do things and I can't clutter the room up. He's got two so, fish, people. He needs space for I've his got fish. two fish. <laughs> I've got two fish. And they, they need space. <laughs> um, so, I mean, in that regard, it, it, it is important. Um, I think, um, I mean, okay, I was going to say let's wrap it up there, but I'll run through a few of these questions just because I don't want to sort of leave them out. Uh, and they are ones more for me because it is more record-based stuff. So I've got I've got Joy Division albums, EMI or Factory Pressings. We'll go Factory because they're the originals of it. So I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, what made me want to become a musician? Uh, what was the first instrument I had and the first song I learned to play? Uh, I want to become a musician. Uh, well, I, I, I kind of just wanted to learn an instrument, really, just as a child. And then uh, I had a classical guitar as first instrument. First song I learned, first proper song I learned. I was, ah, first proper song I learned was She's the One by Robbie Williams, because that's oh, what my wow. guitar te- Yeah, it's what my guitar teacher taught me. Um, uh, what's any others to do with records that we got here? Ah, um, oh, actually, I will ask this one to you. Yeah. Uh, after this next question. So I'll ask this next one and I'll ask that one to you. Okay, um, cool. The highest price I've played for a vinyl and what was the record? Um, so that was probably the, hmm, the highest price someone's bought me a record for would be £75, which is my lovely, wonderful girlfriend who bought me um, the All Things Must Pass uh, box set, which is 75 oh. So that's quite a lot of money. Um, but myself, the most I've paid is 30 eight pound i believe and i think i've got the drive soundtrack for that so soundtrack to the film drive i think on neon pink vinyl i think that's the most i paid and that was a lockdown treat to myself because i managed to save some money Otherwise, amazing movie amazing it's great amazing film um the next question i will ask this to you george mm. uh, what do you think of the vinyl resurgence and why specifically young people now we aren't young remember Remember that young people are teenagers <laughs> now. So why do you think young people are listening to vinyl? Well, I think it's part of that. Um, you know, every thirty years or so, we get that reset of oh, mm. this is what they used to do. That's cool. Let's try that. Yeah. You know, I think we're getting that round again. But also, I think I think people like you know, I've never owned one. I've I've obviously come around yours. We've done it a few times and stuff, but mm. I generally just find the machines actually just really cool. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you can see it all working like there in front of you. Like, obviously you can't yeah. see like the inside, but you can see the needle on the record and you can see, and mm. I don't think young people get that a lot in these days, actually seeing no. a machine actually working, you know, you no. have your phones, computers, it's just a screen. So yeah. I think 
I think there's a bit of that in it as well. But um, yeah, I think it's mainly that, you know, that cycle that we have. Um, yeah. And it's just a really cool thing, like having a big, something to own, you know, something to own. <laughs> yeah, like. I think it is that. I think people are going back to us. I think you got to remember as well, it's been 10 years of streaming services now, mm. uh, nearly or roughly. Uh, I think people are getting tired of not owning or not having a product. Um, I, I think people, I think a lot of it's aesthetics, especially for younger people, less so people my age or our age and above, uh, especially less so for people who are doing it in that mid 30s onwards, collecting vinyl, but there's an aesthetic of having, just having it and looking at it. Some yeah, people, they might, exactly. play, they might only play it once or twice, but they, and then the rest of it, they stream it because it's easiest to just put it on stream. But like, you know, that, that that's what they like. And I think, as you said there, the 30 years and with aesthetic really fits into the the resurgence that's happening right now, which is in, not in full boom, but is in like as big a boom as I think it's going to sort of get, in a way, is the cassette boom at the moment. Mm. Uh, because cassettes have a short lifespan. Uh, yes, they're around the 70s, but they're really synonymous with the 80s because of the Walkman and, and the yeah. early 90s. Um that's a resurgence that's based on aesthetic. It's the look of them, it's everything. That's why Vaporwave doesn't, you know, Vaporwave's an aesthetic as well as a genre, and it always looks back to the past and looks back to that time period, 80s, 90s, but it never really references records in the aesthetic. It's always cassettes, and I think that's why they are aesthetically just more pleasing. I think because the record dates back so long, that, like, although the, the vinyl record is an iconic thing of the 80s, it's not the most iconic thing because it's iconic of the seventies and the sixties more, you know, yeah. whilst the cassette really is, it came to its own then. Um, but yeah, so do I, you think, do you think that the CD will come back around or do you think that's where it could break? So here's the thing with the CD. So the CD is having a slight resurgence now. Okay. Uh, this year is the, well, the last year is the first year CDs have actually increased in sales again. And it was significant. And I think okay. the problem is, is, the, the price of records is rising and it okay. always will a brand new records not used because yeah. I, I buy a mixture of both but a lot of people just buy brand new because they don't know use it exists so in america used records are a lot harder to come by and they're a lot more expensive what's in the mm. uk the market's a lot cheaper like people on my instagram are so surprised at how cheap i've got beatles records for and stuff like used. Yeah. um now the cds obviously I, I think what people are realizing is that actually to own the music you want to own like, for example, the Rolling Stones have a huge discography. There's about three or four albums in there where you go, eh, not too bothered. Yeah. Well, why spend the 20 to 30 quid to get them on vinyl when you can just spend a tenner or less because people are much more used to buying pre-owned CDs. People like mm. pre-owned CDs. Why not just buy the CD off Amazon? You can buy it pre-owned off Amazon as well. Like yeah. why not? And it's a space thing. I think people are starting to build their collections now because obviously you've got to remember the same people who were collecting at the start are still collecting. So like mm. at the start of the vinyl boom. So like these guys have to now find space. So they're going, well, actually, I need CDs. And I think people are now realizing that actually, you know, that there's a there's a functionality to CD. Mm. Yeah. It's not, you know, the the sound is the highest fidelity sound we have. It's the best quality sound we have as a CD. Okay. But a record and a cassette are analog uh, formats. They're completely analog. No digitalization of them. There's no compression. Well, there's there is compression on the record. It depends how much music you put on it, but there's no compression in the same way as on a CD. Yeah, yeah. Um, and human ears like analog sound, so that's why we prefer the sound of a vinyl. Um, and anyway, an analog recording, like Fleetwood Max Rumors, let's say, because all the stuff back then was analog, that sounds better on analog format. 
whilst they get compressed. So I, I, I think I think people are picking as well. I think a lot of new albums, people are going, you know what, actually, this is made digitally, so why am I going to bother buying it on vinyl when it's just a compressed file being put onto a vinyl when I can just buy it on CD and just have it as the same, it's compressed, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think that's part of it as well. Um, but yeah, um, George, I'm going to say thank you for coming on. I've really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed those I've, questions as well. I have as well, mate. It was, I. It's something I really wanted to do with your listeners, and I've yeah, it's been great. You know, you didn't yeah. know what you were gonna ask me, and yeah, it was brilliant. I yeah. I, I, had, I had no clue. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Thank you for coming on, man. I, I do so appreciate it, and and you know, you are a fan favorite, as I've said already. So it's gonna please people that you're back. Um, <laughs> and like, do you want to plug an Instagram account or anything? Do you feel like you want to do that or? Uh, you know, I just plug my, you know, my. Uh, <laughs> G Kibble 97, that's my personal <laughs> Insta. Obviously, it's just my own one, but obviously, if you wanted to message me about anything we've talked about, anything like that, I'm all ears and, you know, yeah, keep the conversation going, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's totally valid. Obviously, you know, as I said before, I'm at thisisvinyl.tap uh, on Instagram, so please follow me there. Uh, we have got an email address, which is musicfishbowl123 at gmail.com. So if you do want to message us there, anything you send us, we will mention in the podcast unless there's just too much being sent. So at the moment, there really isn't that much, let's be honest. So probably be mentioned at the next podcast if you do. Um, Other than that, I do want to just announce that we are now on Apple Podcasts. That's the big news. So we have moved on to Apple Podcasts. So if you know anyone who only has access to that, who might be interested in listening, please let them know. Uh, But for now, join me in saying thank you to George. And George, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, goodbye, guys. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great week. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get another episode out to you quite soon. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. See you. <laughs>